0: Well, welcome to the Movements podcast. We're talking today to Tim Shire. And uh, those who have been following the podcast will know a bit of the story of of Tim's background and his work in Sydney in an area called AIDS. And uh, if you need a bit of background, go back there. There's plenty of good listening. But we're just going to start today by talking uh, to Tim about a recent trip he had to uh, spend some time with another person we've been tracking with Jeff Sundell and uh, so welcome today uh, Tim good to have you on board thank you Steve and Tim now you you uh I guess uh probably six or eight weeks ago took a trip to uh Bugahola apparently near Charlotte North Carolina where Jeff Sundell hangs out what what prompted you to go halfway around the world to uh Uh, to that part of uh, the U.S.
1: Well, Steve, as you know, over the last two and a half years, uh, I've gotten very excited about church planting movements and in particular T4T or training for trainers. I've been using sort of the four fields model um, and seen God do some wonderful things in our context in southwestern Sydney, particularly in field one. And field two, field one, of course, is how do you enter the field and begin to engage with people, your target group? And field two is how do you share your story and, and Jesus' story with people and lead people into relationship with Christ? We've seen some really good things happen, but we felt, I particularly felt, uh, we've really uh, come up against a wall and saw uh, less than impressive progress in field three, which is about discipleship and um, And field four, which is about church um, formation, and those are the the critical fields that if we 're going to see multiplication and exponential growth, I realized you know we 've got too few mature disciples emerging, too few uh, local people starting winning people to faith and and leading groups and 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 the generational growth really wasn't happening in any significant way, so we felt really stuck, and that's what prompted me to go
0: and figure out how Jeff was seeing this happen in his context in North Carolina. Okay, and I think the last time we talked about you talked about this, you, you said you'd you'd seen uh, uh, well quite a large number of people have come to faith in the area. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Probably, you know. Well over 100 people in in, in two and a half years, Um,
1: but too few of those people really going on to maturity and Mm -hmm. fruitfulness in terms of leading others to Christ and starting groups, training others, and um, that's what I have discovered is absolutely necessary if you're going to see generational growth and if you're going to impact
0: lostness in a significant and major way so the the baton wasn't being passed on, or you wanting to see that happen, but they weren't taking it and running with it wanting to see it happen, but not able to bring it about okay well, tell us uh what what you you learnt through your uh your time in the u s
1: well it, it was a extremely encouraging time in the Lord uh for many many reasons, but one of the One of the reasons was I've never met so many uh, new believers being one to three-year-old Christians, many of whom were ex-crack addicts and or crack dealers who were leading people to faith and leading groups. Uh, It was absolutely exhilarating to see how God was working and moving. And I think the reason why that's happening in North Carolina is Jeff is very clear about how he measures success in terms of church planning movement, and training for trainers, or T4T. And one of the first things I picked up from from Jeff was simply that uh, he doesn't measure success by professions of faith or baptisms or groups started, but measures success by generational growth. And I had not really fully, I mean, I knew that conceptually, but I had not seen it happen before. And so it was a bit of a vague concept to me, And when I actually saw generational growth and I saw its power, uh, that totally reshaped how I thought about what I do with a new believer once they've come to know Christ, how I run a group, how I conduct the training, and a whole range of associated uh, aspects of that. Tim, Tim, what is generational growth? Well, I guess if we... Point ourselves back to two Timothy two two. That's probably the best starting point. Where Paul, writing to Timothy, says the things you've heard me say, uh, in the presence of many witnesses. Paul to Timothy, he says to Timothy, entrust those things to reliable men, who will also be qualified to teach others. So we we see um, uh, in in that example, uh, four generations. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to uh, reliable men, reliable men to to others. And hence, uh, you know, in Acts 19, verse 10, uh, as a result of what Paul and Timothy were doing in Ephesus, in a fairly short period of time, the whole province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, is that because they all came to the lecture hall of Tyrannus uh, next to the synagogue? I don't think so.
0: Hmm.
1: I think it's because these discipleship change, this generational growth was happening where one person was was grasping hold of a pattern of teaching, of sharing the gospel, and of you know helping people get established in obeying in a pattern of obeying Christ and His basic commands, and those people were then enabled uh, and empowered to pass that on to the next generation, and to the next generation, and to the next generation.
0: So I, I guess that's what we mean by generational yeah. growth. And you said um, you you saw that being worked out in. Um you know, the work of Jeff and and, and the other folk that he's trained, uh, what did it look like? Well, I actually saw that in two ways. And and
1: one was, as you say, practically just seeing um, how generational growth is happening uh, among the men and women in the groups, in in the areas where Jeff is working. But the second thing that was just so helpful was a simple exercise we were a part of on a particular Sunday night with a group of about 50 people. And in the exercise, we, we had done a study on multiplying the workers. And we looked at Exodus 18 and Moses uh, and his father-in-law Jethro. And then we looked at that passage to Timothy 2, two. And Jeff then said to the group, he said, listen, I want to try an experiment here. And he took a volunteer from the group and he taught this person the nine keys to church planning movements along with the hand signals. And then he said to the person after about 3 or 4 minutes of this person, you know, getting these nine keys and their associated hand signals down pat so they could do it with, you know, with confidence, he said, "Now I want you to choose someone and I want you to go and teach them this thing, these nine hand signals and keys, and I'm going to come with you to help you." And so this person chose someone and they chose a fellow whose name was Tom and and Tom was sort of new and, and struggling a little bit with this, but Jeff was there to help Angie train Tom. And probably after about four or five minutes, Tom finally got this down pad. And then Angie said to Tom, Tom, you go find someone else and I'll come with you to help train that person. And Jeff said, well, I'll go find someone else. Well, about another 12 to 15 minutes went by and it just seemed at the beginning it was so slow and so mm. tedious. But after these 12 or 15 minutes... It seemed like most of the room was standing up. A few minutes later, someone tapped me on the shoulder, trained me with these non-keys and associated hand signals. I trained someone else quite quickly. And about that time, maybe a total of maybe 30 minutes had gone by. And Jeff says, I think that's it. Hmm. And I looked around the room, and everybody had been trained. And then he took the person who was trained last and said, let's see what you've learned. And compare that to the person who learned first. And it was fundamentally the same. And mm. I thought it was, it was just so powerful. And I don't know if that description does it any justice at all. Mm. But Jeff then told us that he'd done this once with 6,000 people. And it took about an hour and a half. Mm. One of the things that I learned that church planning movements in the beginning are not rapid. They can be slow. They can be hard work. They can be tedious. And certainly that was the situation this little exercise we did but once the number of people multiplied that were able to effectively pass on to others and train others the rate of acceleration of growth and spread was just phenomenal and i really my eyes were really open to that simple little exercise and it made me realize that that is why it's so important to be able to train people in a first generation group well enough to ensure that they are competent and confident to pass the basics on to the next generation or you're never going to have movement. And that's that's really where I was uh, hitting the walls and where I now realize I was doing such a poor job of, of skipping and being timid in a whole range of areas associated with the way I
0: was training other people. Okay. And so we can't just assume the gospel's going to spread Contagiously through networks of relationships. Alongside of that, it's got to be up at early on some real intentionality in training and apprenticeship of people. Exactly, and, and that's where
1: the T4T process, and in particular the three thirds process that's integral mm-hmm. to T4T, is so radically important, particularly
0: the red parts for those of you in the know. Okay, and we'll. Um, uh, post uh, on the blog some uh, links where people can just find out more about that process and maybe get a copy of the book if they want to.
1: Yeah. Can I mention two things? Yeah. Just, yeah.
0: I think this would be
1: helpful. When I first started with this, as I said, two and a half years ago, my first big fear barrier was overcoming the fear to actually get out there and tell people about Jesus and give them the opportunity and challenge to respond. To Christ, and I felt uh, as I sought to just do that, in spite of my fear, I felt God was giving me courage to just, just go ahead and do it. And then immediately we began to see people responding. When people come to faith, and um, and you're you're beginning to train them, there's two aspects of T4T that are absolutely critical. One is holding people accountable for what you're teaching them, and two is before they leave the training session of getting them to practice what you've trained them to mm. ensure mm. that they are competent and confident. Now it's those two areas where I've been very timid in the way I've trained people and run groups and what I've found is I've faced a fear barrier there as well mm. and I've needed to find the grace and courage and boldness of God to be able to overcome that because it's so counterintuitive to the way I've ever been trained and the way I've ever trained others. But again, if Generational growth is the measure of success, and necessary to see movement happen. If I'm sending people out of a training meeting, and they don't have the comp- confidence to pass on what I pass on to them, and they don't know who to pass it on, and they're not going to be held accountable, then you know what happens? They don't pass it on.
0: Yeah, it's exactly
1: mm. where I've been had become unstuck uh, in 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 prior months and why I was seeing so few people really pass on the things I was trying to train them in.
0: And what sort of things should we be trying to train people in, uh, I'm thinking in terms of new believers? Well, the first port of call is extremely important, and that
1: is simply to train the new believer how to organize and share their story mm-hmm. of coming to know Christ in three minutes or less okay. with practice, with practicing Bridging strategies of how they're going to take a conversation with a friend, family member, work associate, or neighbor. Hmm. How they're going to bridge a conversation onto spiritual things and be able to bridge to, to sharing their story. And then, second step, which is closely associated, how to share Jesus' story. They've hmm. got to be confident to be able to do that in a simple, biblical way. And they've got to practice. Hmm. Uh, and what I found is now that I'm having people practice more than I used to, I'm finding that they, they, they don't get it right first time. Mm. So people need a lot of practice. They need a lot of coaching. They need a lot of encouragement, a lot of modeling, a lot of support. And so the way I'm training now and running groups is very significantly different than the way I was just three months ago mm-hmm. following my visit and watching how Jeff's been doing it and how
0: you need to do it in order to see that generational growth take place. Well, I know we, a uh, uh, month or two ago, we, we – uh, led a couple to the Lord using that simple method you trained me in of uh, looking, up, getting, looking up four verses in Romans, getting them to share what they understood in those verses, and, and through that, make a decision about uh, accepting Christ. And so we had a wonderful experience. This young couple gave their lives to the Lord, and they it was, a, it was just a holy moment. Uh, we met again a week later, and it was interesting just to say to them, what do you think happened last week? You tell me. What, uh, what happened in your life last week? And And to realize their struggle to put words to that whole experience. It was a genuine experience, but here they are in a safe environment trying to explain it and we've been encouraging them to share the gospel or share their story with others. Uh, and yet, you know, they, they haven't really had that chance. So we just went through it all over again and uh, gave them a chance to just walk through each verse and to tell us what it was saying to them and to reflect on the decision they'd made. So we spent, you know, that w- that was not the plan for week two, <laughs> you know. Um, we basically just repeated yeah. everything we'd done in the prior week, um, and I realised, uh, you know, we're we're going to have to keep doing that to their comfortable for their own benefit.